Ba-da-da-da. Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, the only podcast where every week is a brand new concept. I am your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt. And today we have a beautiful interview up for you. We are interviewing Clarissa Jacobson, the creator and mastermind behind one of our favorite short films from the short film anthology, Hilarious. It is The Lunch Ladies. Matt, are you excited for this one or what? Yeah, I'm very excited for this one. I This is one of my favorite films of the whole um, comp, uh, anthology we watched. And I think it's a great example of a movie that really should be part of anthologies like this to get in front of more people. Yeah, we're going to talk to her all about how this came to be, her background, what she's doing now, and where the lunch ladies are going to go from here. So sit back and relax. It's time to talk about the lunch ladies. One of the latest highlights from our Five Stars Under 50 series was the short film Lunch Ladies, a quirky, dark, comedic look at two Johnny Depp-obsessed lunch ladies who turn to Soylent Green methods to get a chance with their dream man. Behind the award-winning short film is the multi-talented screenwriter, filmmaker, and author Clarissa Jacobson. Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me on, and I love that intro. It made me sound so important. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That that That's where my pro wrestling history, you know, really helps me. I, yeah. I, yeah, you have a I, good voice. Like I ooh, love yeah. to give a good intro, yeah. So uh, for, Well, for my bachelor party, Ben had me do a pro wrestling intro at a show we were at. Like, and it was like, the, the whole time I was like, I gotta I got be like, Ben, I gotta, I gotta get this ready. Every one of these people has to be the number one focus. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so let's start at the beginning because okay. i'm i'm curious to get a look inside the mind of the person who would create lunch <laughs> ladies which is an excellent short film i was re-watching it earlier today in preparation for this and it's a really great short because it knows what it wants to be and it delivers everything so well and you mesh so many different styles of filmmaking into the short and you blend a lot of things together that people wouldn't think to blend together so uh i guess my first question would be growing up like what sort of movies did you gravitate to and what sort of movies inspired you to go into the film industry um well I, well, I started as an actress, but I didn't realize um, <laughs> when I was a, and I went to acting school and everything, but as a kid, I wanted to be an actress, but I loved creating characters. I loved doing sketch characters mm -hmm. and Saturday Night Live and uh, uh, Carol Burnett. Like, but what I didn't realize, you know, now that I'm a writer is I loved writing characters. So I was always drawn to things that were large characters that were larger than life. So, um, you know, I love John Waters, okay. things that are off and, and big. I love John Hughes, yeah. you right. know, he's, he, it, it, but like to me, really great comedy that's off is also has, it can be as crazy as you want, but it's also grounded in reality. There's a certain weird, you know, so yeah. thing that it's grounded in reality. So I liked, I liked movies like that. I, um, I mean, I just remember 16 Candles. I love 16 Candles. I mean, I always feel like Lunch Ladies is like 16 Candles meet, you know, like it's like a John, it's like if John Hughes had done horror with John Waters or something. 
you know, with a little yeah. bit of Tim, Tim Burton thrown in. Right. Um, yeah. I love Pedro Amaldivar. I love mm-hmm. like those wild colors and yeah. just, mm-hmm. he, I don't know how he gets away with some of the stuff he gets away with because it's anybody else's hands. It would just be ridiculous, but for some right. reason he makes it work. Um, I love, you know, there's other things like I love, you know, I love the Coen brothers. I love Scorsese. I love Charlie Chaplin and his physical comedy. I love physical comedy. Um, I've always liked characters that are really, really, I mean, I like stuff that's small, but like, I also really accept that characters that are big, that are almost like out of a comic book. I I, I enjoy those types of, you know, divine. I I think I've always think of, you know, Serata and Lunch Ladies as a little like a real female divine you know so yeah yeah, growing up yeah I always liked I just like I like quirky surrealist Mm -hmm. stuff and I like stuff that has heart um characters that you can root for that do things that aren't I don't like I like characters that have flaws that do things that are bad but you're like oh I I could I could see doing that you know right Um, yeah I, I I always say like the like the impetus of like characters and storytelling always brings me back to like what those big characters were for humans thousands of years ago. It was like Greek gods and Greek myths. And those characters are inherently flawed because as like a, as a consumer, you need to connect to something and we're not perfect. So why would our characters be? We don't need Superman. You know, we, we need real people. Exactly. And I think that there's this, this crazy thing going on in Hollywood where where readers, they don't understand that. And you will get this, read this note so many times on screenplays uh, the, the main character is not likable and it's like they, they always want the character but the, but the things that are the most interesting to people are characters nobody you know obviously you have to relate to a character mm-hmm. right but you want to see flaws because you i mean i do because you yeah. learn from people that have flaws or you can see yourself in them so i like yeah i like those kinds of stories underdog stories i like i always tend to write stuff that about people that uh, have big dreams because I mm-hmm. feel like everybody, and that's what I find fascinating about anybody you meet from any walk of life, no matter what they're doing, the garbage man down the block, whatever, all of them have some dream, something artistic that's going on inside them. Yeah. And that's interesting to me. And so yeah, that's that, where that, that all came from. <laughs> that same thing is kind of what motivates us here at fourth times the charms. Cause there's so much art out there now, like the modern Hollywood system, the self-publishing world of both like mm-hmm. indie films on like YouTube versus like a huge boom in indie authors, you know, publishing on like Amazon and getting their work out there. It's incredible mm-hmm. to get to hear from those artists who are making things and people can put a put a face to the vision being displayed in the in like your short films yeah, or your or I'm- your novel, which provides people with like a roadmap to try to actually kind of follow up with the <laughs> success you had. Yeah. I mean, it tick, you mean, I mean, I'm not a fan of TikTok. I don't, I don't like TikTok, but what's interesting to me about TikTok is it kind of just shows that all these people, every there's, everybody's got something that they want to share or some dream. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that's a really universal thing. And I, I'm always drawn to stories about people that have unlikely heroes that have dreams. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's super cool. I I love that you were talking about uh, a lot of your inspirations and what you really like growing up because everything you mentioned, I was like, I can see that in Lunch Ladies. You know, I I think I, I think your website mentioned that Lunch Ladies was sort of a a, a sort of like a mix between uh, like Tim Burton and Wes Anderson. 
Yeah. And that really comes through. And then you throw in talking about that wanting to look at people like comic book characters almost. You throw it into this school setting with all these super bright, rich colors. And and what I loved especially about it is that if you take the lunch ladies out, the entire high school is essentially built and works as if it's like a teeny bopper sitcom. Yeah. Except <laughs> it's there like... are these two killer lunch ladies in the middle who are serving this horrifying looking food. And I, I love the, the small things like how the principal, you never see his head. You, you only see him walking by. You never see his face. It's once again very cartoon-like. And then you juxtapose it with the lunch ladies doing all these horrific, visceral things with this disgusting-looking food. Which I, I, was, I was reading online what you put inside yeah. <laughs> those food concoctions. And I was I was eating uh, tacos while I was doing it. Oh, and I, smart! <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. Yeah, the, um, the, the PTA supplied Italian beef to the teachers today because parent teacher conferences. And I was watching the the short film at lunch today, and I was like, "Oh, wait a minute," because <laughs> I I I'm a like the, the film for me. I'm I've been a huge fan of Sweeney Todd since the movie. Me too. Movie and the. My mom got me the musical on CD when I was a little kid, because she, oh she was like, crazy. she's like, you like Freddy Krueger, and and this is nice. And I'm like, I was like eight, and I got like the London cast recording. And oh just my god, hilarious! Hearing the lunch ladies hit the high note as they're cooking up the food, like I, I Ben and I, you were, were probably one of the only people. I mean, anybody that's seen Sweeney Todd, but a lot of people don't get that. Yeah, because they've never the, seen Sweeney Todd, which blows my mind. I'm like, to me, that's like a staple, and people are like, I've never seen Sweeney Todd. I yeah, Sweeney Todd <laughs> was probably like like the movie that came out when I was the perfect age to identify with a Johnny Depp release. Like I've seen everything, and I and of course you know his first film is Nightmare on Elm Street, which was a movie I saw yeah. when I was four years old, and oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> that was a choice. But hey, I came out well. And, oh my but gosh. seeing that actual in the music hitting in the exact same capacity was like such a tremendous moment for us. Like I, <laughs> I stood up, I was like, Ben, they're I literally think I said right as she killed uh, the girl in the bathroom, I was like, Ben, they're doing Sweeney Todd. They're going to do it. And then they flashed oh, yeah. her and they're like, what would Johnny do? I was like, ah! <laughs> 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 that's great that's great yeah i love sweeney todd because he's such a flawed character and you feel so sorry for him but he it's it's my it's yeah i'm not a big musical fan but i'm a huge fan of, of sweeney todd a huge the, fan of sweeney todd the original yeah. london production too it, it's tremendous comparing the two because depp is this you know rail thin kind of like gaunt performer and it's typically performed by like a six foot two baritone yeah, and hearing the contrast and aesthetics, but the way the the, the depth he brought to it was yeah. really awesome. So, and it, it made me wonder. And I know, you know, reading reading your book and thinking about your writing process, I was like, when did if if ever did the Johnny Depp thing begin for you? Like, does it predate right the film? Oh yeah, right away. Because here's what happened. So when I was, you know, Donna who plays the lead in it, mm -hmm. she was a friend of mine, and she, and we were talking one 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 night and she said i wish somebody would write because she's a middle-aged woman and there's no parts for middle-aged women and she said i wish someone would write a part for two lunch ladies 
So that because every time I'm in the room with this mm-hmm. other woman, we look at each other, we like each other, but we know there's only going to be one of us that's going to get the part because there's never two parts for two middle-aged women. Mm-hmm. And that's always a grandmother. I just wish someone, if we could just be lunch ladies. And I, yeah. and all of a sudden I was like, God, I would love to do a spoof on Sweeney Todd. And then I said, but you know, everybody does spoofs on Sweeney Todd. Like there's yeah. a million spoofs on Sweeney Todd. So I'm just going to admit that I'm doing a spoof <laughs> on Sweeney Todd and wink at it. Yeah. What if these women are, they get the idea because they're obsessed with Johnny Depp and he was in Sweeney Todd. Cause I felt like I didn't want to do just another Sweeney Todd spoof. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just go, guess what? Yeah. I'm doing a, 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 another Sweeney Todd spoof and I'm admitting I'm doing another Sweeney Todd spoof. I'm and aware I, of that, you know? <laughs> and you got the greatest payoff. I think I've seen in short film history. <laughs> that's such a compliment how did that credit sequence with with those photos at the johnny depp concert how how did that all come about i'm curious well you know that's the question that i've been sworn to secrecy and everybody asks and everybody's dying to know so i never give that up okay but it was quite a journey let me tell you we thought we fourth time the charm the answer out of you (laughs) oh man i've been dodging that question now the first the first year on the circuit i was i'm like i'm a notorious like i almost want to tell everything and Mm -hmm. i would i would just sit there like this and i would get matt who was the effects designer or josh who was the director and when that question would be answered i'd look at them and make them answer the question so now i've had to become comfortable with saying no i'm sorry we don't talk the mystery is better anyway. Yeah, I was gonna say that's 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 like a far almost. I rather the the, the not knowing honestly. <laughs> right, right. So for for so lunch ladies was made as uh, a part of Rebel Minx Productions, which is a wonderful name. How how Thank did you. that how did that partnership with uh, Shayna Weber come about? Okay, so it's interesting. Um, I'm in this amazing writing class for 14 years now, maybe 15, called Twin Bridges Writing Salon. And I've written many scripts by myself. And then I got to know Shana, who came into class. We got to be really good friends. And Shana um, was a producer on Lunch Ladies. And at the time, I just called it a Clarissa Jacobson production because we hadn't made Rebel Mix yet. Mm-hmm. But we started working together. And um, we wrote several scripts after that. And Shana was, like, instrumental and just helping get lunch ladies off its feet and being there supporting me. Like there's so many stories about like, you know, when I tried to, when I first went out there and I had the wrong director and he told me that I could never get it done and, and this would never happen. And, you know, and I was like feeling like it was never going to happen. I would never find the right person. And Shana would pick me up and she'd be like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, and she's just um, a really wonderful friend, amazing writer. We work great together. So, you know, I'm, and, and so many people in the class, including my mentor, you know, worked on the film, helped with the mm-hmm. film. And it's just a very special place. So that's how Shane and I started, you know, we started writing together and then COVID happened. And they were like, Jesus, like, we got to like get the, get our company. We got to come up with a name. And we just mm-hmm. couldn't come up with a name. And then all of a sudden, I don't remember how it came about. Then it became, then we were like Rebel Mink set. That fits us perfectly, you know, because that's, we're that's chicks. A good one. We're chicks, but like everybody wants chicks to be like, you know, a certain, a certain way. And we're kind of like, we write stuff that I think is incredibly feminist, but like Mm -hmm. people are like, oh, well, it's not feminist because you're not, you know, it's, it's, it's in your face and it's kind of twisted. So that, you know, so it fits fits us. Right. (laughs) And, and that's, I mean, that's always been my favorite lens for that kind of filmmaking, especially with that, the more feminist and woman focused filmmaking that, you know, we see. F- f- like f- 
fought back against a lot in traditional media across the board. And it's right. it's the ones who are willing to make the biggest impact and not give a shit. That to me yeah. is like the the that's like the heart of it. It's like you you should never have to give a shit, but but the fact that you do means that when you do, you go for it and fuck yeah. everybody else because this these are the messages we need to get here. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, we put like characters with like like we have a character in one of our scripts that she has big boobs, and we're always making like talking about it. But like we're doing it like in a way that we could get, like we could get away with it, but guys right. couldn't. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, like you know, you get the criticism. Oh, well, that's not feminist, but it is because yeah. I'm sorry, she has big boobs. Like, are yeah. you lying? Like, it's like, like why 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 ignore reality and yeah. of embrace it and make it just like just yeah. like making a a rip off of Sweeney Todd or like it being yeah. influenced by. Put it in the front, like show, play your cars and be like, this is what this is. Just say, hey, I know what I'm doing here. Either you're along for the ride or you're not along for the ride, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's, I, one of my favorite things about you from like the interviews I've seen, and and it shows through into Lunch Ladies, is how you really love to take ownership of things and and you're really passionate about everything you do. Uh, I was, one of the things that really, that I really responded to in one of your interviews where uh, you were talking about after the film released, you received not necessarily pushbacks, not the right word, but you found it difficult attaching your name to the project because yeah. people go, oh, well, you're not the director, mm-hmm. you know, so it's 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 that not it's not the same experience I, as as someone who who did short films that were not as good as Lunch Ladies <laughs> uh, and, and and produce them. It, it is a very strange feeling where you know if you're producing something but you're not directing it's it's almost like i i feel like maybe i should be doing more i don't know it 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 can kind of be weird so can you walk me through how working on the project just sort of on the ground floor was and just sort of how how your journey through that went yeah. Um, so at the time I did not want to direct and I don't think I could have handled directing it because I was working nine to five job at the time and I had already written it. I'd written the feature before that. And that mm-hmm. took like a year and a half. And then I wrote the short and that took another five months and I was producing it and producing lunch ladies. I mean, it ended up having 120 people in the cast and crew in the cast and crew. And it was shot in the school, which was hard it's, to get that location. Yeah, really, I can only really imagine. Pro- producing is is such an underrated art. Ugh, so and, hard. And, and it's so it's so general and wide sweeping. I don't think people really respect it. And alongside the fact that they're like executive producers. Who yeah, they're not don't actually there. Much, yeah. It's like, it's, it's such an underappreciated art. Yeah. So. They take that credit, but they're not the one who's the first they were on set. They're not the one worrying right. about the girl who can't, you know, Daisy, who was just wonderful. She literally could not get her work per- permit. Her mom couldn't get her work permit. She had just turned 16 and they wouldn't oh, give wow. her a work permit from high school because she was going part-time to college. They said to have the college give it and the college wouldn't give it. So we were, you know, I was like sweating bullets and she finally got it like that day. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and Josh, I found Josh um, on LinkedIn. It's a crazy story how I found Josh, wow. but um, and he, he, yeah, and he's a wonderful director and he, he did some amazing producing on it as well. You know, like he brought in like all the posts, um, you know, he did, he, he was, he was invaluable and I had, you know, help and everything, but like, I, I was the one that was 
save the money that, that was that was the buck stopped there i was the one that yeah. if shit went wrong it was me like the first day I and mean, there's a funny story we had <laughs> the first day we had lunches mm-hmm. for the crew okay they were that we had hired these people that worked at the school and yeah. and it was and the food was horrible and I had I had to fire the lunch ladies on the lunch ladies crew. <laughs> and I said to Josh, I'm like, Josh, and he goes, that was horrible, that meal. And I'm like, I know. And I'm hoping that he's gonna go talk to them. And he's like, you need to go fire them. I'm like, all right. But I had to suck it up and go over there and like fire should, the lunch ladies from how- the should have just handed them the line from the script and be like, here, can you re- reread this for me real quick? This is real now. <laughs> how uh, oh, it was horrible feeling firing oh them but how, I, how, not, I mean it was so embarrassing yeah what what do you I, i'm just curious what do you even say to the lunch ladies on the lunch lady set who are so bad at being lunch ladies i had to do it it was just and then the next day i like went above and beyond and mm-hmm. spent so much money on the meal because i just was like oh my gosh i mean they had like freaking chicken on the bone with like green beans and mashed potato i mean they had the best meal the second day it was blowing people's minds because they had this terrible meal but um they you know they were very nice but they were the one lady i mean a side story is the one lady was very pissed off and she had the keys to the school oh Oh, and so she but i was really the the principal was amazing and i remember she called me that night that because that woman would open the mm-hmm. school to let us in and she called me that night and she goes i have a really bad feeling that she's not going to show up in the morning and open the school for you because she's going to get she's going to try to get back at you she goes do you want to come down and get the, the keys for me and i said yes i do and guess what she wasn't there i thank god because can you imagine this whole yeah, crew yeah. shows up downtown i mean and it was not an easy place to get to yeah i can't imagine. and you can't get the doors open and filming in a school alone, like a school, like uh, I, 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 me having a key, I don't even have a key to the outside doors of the school I work at. Like very few people do. I can't, I can't even fathom it. I remember I, one of my favorite films is Robert Rodriguez is the faculty and oh, he, it. and in interviews with it, he says the single hardest thing about making that movie was any time they were at the school. Anything yeah. to do with the production around that must have been insane. And how, and how long were you guys shooting in the school? Uh, we did it two weekends and okay. the, and, and just the principal in the school was wonderful. And they, they yeah. use the location fees to, um, it was a Catholic school. Okay. I had, I, I had <laughs> called over 120 schools and about 120 schools. And someone had said, I think it was Josh's friend and said, try these two Catholic schools. Both Catholic schools were willing to let us shoot. The other schools wow. wouldn't not let us shoot. And, um, they, she was, she, the principal, she just couldn't have been more wonderful. Yeah. I was just so lucky, but you know, it, it took, I was like, I thought for sure I was not going to get any place. I was trying to like piece together like cafeterias because mm-hmm. we just kept running it. And then if we did find a place, you know, it was like in LA, LA County and they wanted a thousand dollars a day or fit, whatever the rate is. And I couldn't afford that. Yeah. But I mean, thank, you know, thank God for her and for telling me, cause I, I think I would have probably had a heart attack showing up and my whole crew there and can't, can't get into school. For real. But yeah, that's, the reve- that's revenge of the lunch ladies. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that's so, the, that's the sequel. They get locked out and you guys yeah, fight yeah. your way back in. It's like a reverse, like land of the dead. Yes. Yes. So I, so my biggest surprise out of all that is that you were able to film this in two weekends Given the amount of just 
if nothing else, the mess that was made from these scenes, which are very, like, visually arresting. How were you able to get all that done in two weekends with, as you said, essentially casting crew of over, what, like 120 people? Well, it was probably, it was less than that because there was like 30 people in post, but Josh, who um, he just had the, he's, you know, he's, he's a very seasoned, um, I just was very lucky to get Josh and he, mm -hmm. he was, a, he's a very seasoned uh, post producer or post production yeah. supervisor in LA. And he, he just said to me, the first thing he said, and it, it worked for me too, because I was working a nine to five job at the time mm -hmm. and I couldn't afford really to take the time off. And he said, you know, we're going to get better crew if we do it on the weekends. So we had the most amazing crew. I mean, we had top-notch professional professionals on that crew. That's awesome. Um, I funded it myself. I'd saved for a long time for my job. Mm -hmm. So any and anything Josh wanted, I was like, it, yes. And Josh wanted a steady cam. I, he was like, I'm gonna pay for that. Josh paid for the steady cam. Um, and then the second weekend, we realized that we really needed more time. So we mm -hmm. brought in a third camera or oh. a second camera, a second camera for the yeah. lunchroom sequence, mm -hmm. which was the most terrifying thing to shoot of the whole oh, thing. Oh man, I, didn't know how I that could was gonna only imagine. <laughs> I was just I had watching, no idea. I was just watching that like right before we got on. I was getting back into it again, and I was like, I can't fathom getting kids that young, and, and like and like especially ones that that were the believable of the age to pull that choreography of that scene off. It was like it was like a literally like a play, kind of like Sweeney Todd. Like yeah. it had this like stage production like Rocky Horror Picture Show vibe to it in that moment. Well, I owe that to Joe Bratcher, who's my writing mentor. He was a tap dancer on Broadway. And oh. he he and he had choreographed some amazing stuff. Like he did the Sesame Street, uh, God, one of those videos where they do like the number three and you look above like Busby Berkeley. So he was oh, yeah. an amazing, he's an amazing choreographer. And in the script, I wrote it, that it was very like rhythmical, like a kind mm. of like how they do the trees and everything. And Joe's like, I think we should have three different types of dance groups for this. And I said, Joe, whatever you want, you're the most talented yeah. person I know, whatever you want. And he, we held these dance, uh, comp, uh, dance auditions. I couldn't believe the talent that came out. One of the mm -hmm. women who did the uh, hip hop choreography mm -hmm. is now huge. Like she, I gave her, I think one of her first, I don't know. Like it was like, she, she did that job for like next yeah. to nothing. And now she's like working all the time. And That's then Joe amazing. found a ballet choreographer. And then all the kids I found, I just kept on co contact. I found them like on backstage and I, um, I just kept talking to them every week. Yeah. I just was like, and I knew all their names when they showed up, but I didn't know who was going to show up if we were going to have enough people. We only had like, Joe only had like an hour to teach everybody everything. They each had an hour for each group of people, the tappers, the ballet the hip hop and I was hiding out because I was terrified I had no idea that if one if there was gonna people two but we were gonna be able to pull it off yeah. and I remember one um one of the girls that worked on the set I was sitting outside because I was just shaking I was so worried and she goes oh my god you gotta come in it looks amazing it's amazing you know and so awesome. and Josh had like timed everything out and I couldn't believe it but but we had thank god we had that extra camera because mm -hmm. there was a lot of stuff we wouldn't have just been able to get yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the most terrifying. And then, and then the blood scene at the end in the kitchen, we went over, we didn't get out of there till like three or four in the morning. Well, it's over a <laughs> gallon worth of blood and goo, like two, three gallons was, of liquid. Yeah. And on top of it, like it took so long. Like I just let everybody go. It was me, Josh, 
think Matt was still there. There was like four of us and I didn't get all the blood cleaned up until literally like an hour before the kids were coming to school. Like it took so long. There was like freaking blood everywhere. Could I'm you talking imagine? Every- could you the imagine being of a like education? Yeah. Could you imagine being an eight-year-old Catholic student? <laughs> you you come into the lunchroom. You think you left a book there last night, and there's just plasma all over the wall. Hey, man, you- this was my worst fear. I was like, oh my god. It's this, I, I, this, I gotta say, you have my respect for yeah. for keeping for like staying there overnight. I've been on the I, I, I was on one film shoot where uh this dude was just so upset. It was like it was like one in the morning, and we still had about three hours left to film, like minimum. And he just got up and he walked outside. And and, and he and just like, he wanted to leave, he was like he, he just wanted to leave. He's like, this just isn't getting we done. We had one person like that. And then Chris Eckstein, the cinematographer, said, you're staying till the end. Everybody else was amazing. And Josh was so calm. Mm-hmm. He was so calm. And because he was so calm and he wouldn't let anybody rush him. He just was yeah. like, we're getting this. We're getting this scene. And I remember just kind of hiding because I felt like, oh, God, I feel I felt, I mean, everybody was amazing, but I felt so bad. I was like, oh, right. my God, we're going over time. I feel so bad. I just, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you know, the PAs, I'm like, here's an extra 20 bucks, like trying to like, you know, because I felt so bad. But, you know, then yeah. we let everybody go. But then it took like three or four hours just to clean up. I can only <laughs> imagine. I, I, th- I think if Ben had worked on your film, he would have been so, so blown away that you were kind. That he he would have stayed till five in the morning. He would <laughs> the amount of time really? the, the amount of two a.m. conversations. Like I'd be on the couch like playing video games. Like Ben would be like get back, and I'd be like, what was happening? And he'd have like a thousand yard stare. And he's like, we were at a warehouse for four and a half hours, and I don't know what happened. And this is all like you know downtown Chicago too. Like this the the scouting the oh. locations is all like. Places that like I wouldn't like I'd probably feel comfortable, but wouldn't want to be spending right twelve plus hours. There, there, like there was Catholic one school. place, <laughs> there was one place we filmed and we were rapping. I was one of the last guys in. There were like three of us left, and we were like, "Ah, oh, man, should should we finish this up? Yeah, probably." And then we hear gunshots outside. <laughs> And he was like, "Was that fireworks?" And I go, "No, that was that was not fireworks. That was us saying we need to leave. We need to leave." <laughs> yeah, our uh, area wasn't the best either. We yeah. had prostitutes on the street, all kinds of stuff, hitting oh, no. on the guy watching the lights. And <laughs> if, you you need, if you needed extras, you had people that were looking to make money. Yeah, well, actually, we pulled a quite a few extras from. Um, they had a church on Sunday, they had like a church. I was left out like in this, in the classroom sequence. Um, almost all of those people came from a church. They were, they were there for a church thing. And we went in and one of the producers just gra- started grabbing kids and was like, Hey, do you want to be in this movie? That's you know, awesome. like, I was really proud. Yeah. Because every single one of our kids was like 16. Like we didn't have anybody and we didn't have any kids that were like 18. Wow. They were all awesome. 16 years old. Yeah, they're most, some of the most believable. Like, they, I, even when I was watching, I was like, oh, those aren't 25 year olds. Like, yeah. those look like the right age kids for the setting, which is awesome. And that's another reason why I was terrified. I'm like, are they going to be able to follow direction? Right. I and mean, we told them, Josh is like, okay, these are the nerds. He kind of cast who the nerds were. Yeah. And then I said, you guys bring your own clothes. And I, yeah. and damned if they didn't show up with all the right clothes. I could not believe it. I was like, oh, whoa. 
That's awesome. What What would you say was your favorite scene to film for Lunch Ladies? Hmm. I actually think it. I mean, after I got over the initial fear, it was the it was the the dance sequence in the high and high and high it sort of seems like that'd be fun yeah just because it was so cool and it was like so amazing i mean just some of the talent of those dancers was like insane and then seeing my mentor who i love so much getting to be in his element and choreographing you know it just was fun and weird like everybody was just like the energy in there was like Mm. you know so it was fun (laughs) yeah yeah so one of the things that i really loved reading your book was a it was an aspect of things that i was not tuned into which i i think is fascinating is the festival circuit now mm-hmm. i i love attending festivals like i mm-hmm. ben and ben and i've gone to many a 24-hour movie night in chicago right. or this that, or the other thing but what was that what was that experience like for you what did it feel like to have this project done have this glorious film and then be be tasked now with taking it everywhere it's amazing I loved every second of it, even the festivals that didn't, you know, I mean, I talk about that in the book about to keep your expectations at, cause you have no idea what it's going to be like. Yeah. Um, it just was so joyful. I mean, it's lunch ladies is where I really found out a lot of things about myself. One that I was a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. It's not enough for me to just write a script and give it away. Like I yeah. want to be part of it. Um, Two, that I've always had like a little something, you know, like that there are people who get my humor. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of people that don't like lunch ladies, but there are plenty of people that do that show that, hey, I'm I'm not so off because sometimes I would think, oh, yeah. my gosh, like I'm, I'm off, you know, mm-hmm. um, I grew I just grew a lot. And I really felt I'd been working at a nine to five job for many years and they were really wonderful to me. Um, and I love them dearly, but they weren't my creative artistic people. So when I would go to a festival, I just had such joy to be around other creative artistic people, to meet people from around the world. I mean, film is this great leveler where you can meet somebody that doesn't even speak your language and somehow you can communicate because you both love film. So everything about it was just so joyful for me. And like any fears that I'd always had about like networking or being able to talk to people, they just went out the window because I was so happy to be around my people i really was like these are my people man you know (laughs) and the horror the horror community which i had not been part of until lunch ladies i was like holy shit where why have i not been hanging out with the horror peeps yeah horror movie community is great they're the best yeah they're they're like to me they're, they're very similar to the comic book community while uh-huh. being just widely more accepting of everything. They're it, so accepting and so yeah. kind and so and smart. Yeah, that's and that's one of the things I love. Intelligent like, viewers, yeah. yeah. And the filmmakers, anyone we've talked to who's done film, especially horror, and that I've, I've gotten the meat from going to festivals, have always been like both the combination of the most gracious people we've, we get to talk to, but also totally. like some of the most informed. Like, like your perspectives and like analysis of film is not like just some like oh, I just made a movie. It's right. deep, especially once you start making horror films, because that's like a niche within that genre that has right. you know reputations of being used as like a as a production like chug for a time period, like Hammer films in the United States. Right. Then we, then we have like the artisanal like in the in the referential period. And Ben and I were talking about this how 
there's like two places where short form stories can be super effective and it's like sketch comedy which mm -hmm. is its own unique art form and like the improv community but then some of the best things is horror for short totally especially when paired with comedy yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of blew my mind. I, I think I was always a horror person, but I didn't realize I was a horror person. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, it was just interesting going to the horror festivals versus the straight festivals. Now, some of my favorite festivals in the world are straight festivals. Mm -hmm. right. But but the pe but the people that I connected with the most as filmmakers were the horror filmmakers, for sure. So th this leads me into a, an interesting follow-up question because your follow-up short to lunch ladies was uh a very important film that's that's the name of it um a very important film and so it fits on the twitter handle because movies <laughs> yeah. too long what 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 sort of uh what sort of experience was that what was that born out of well that was just my fun one off so that was like um it's me i actually got the idea because my friend rakefet who had done a wonderful movie um, called is, Jackson Is that the name Love. of it, a, a wonderful no, movie? <laughs> no, it was called Jackson Love. We were at, I think it was it was Palm Springs or one of these really, you know, and and it was a wonderful festival, but we, but we laughed because a lot of these straight festivals, it doesn't matter how good your film is, if it's a horror or comedy. It has to have some, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and not that I don't like important film, but I don't like important film that's aware of itself, that's trying to show you something. And I don't think it's any more important than horror, which helps people yeah. conquer their fears or comedy, which we need more laughter in the world. So yeah. she was saying, oh, the next film I'm going to make is going to be about a child that is walking across the desert with no shoes and he's an orphan and I'm going to win all the awards. So I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to do a film called, you know, just my one off to I fuck you to the very important film, you know, like that, that those are the only types of films that matter. And I'm going to do a five minute and we're going to, you know, short and I'm going to put every single cliche in there and copy all the important filmmakers like <laughs> you know that like you know i have a seat you know yeah. there's stuff that i just ripped right out of you know all the important you know there's a scene with boonwell at the end you know like yeah. me cutting my <laughs> eye like anything that i could pull that's important and that was just it was just like more of like a fun kind of fuck you thing and you know and then it's just another way also to promote lunch ladies and Shayna directed it and we just we just had a really good time doing it you know and i hadn't acted in years so i got to act again and that was fun so it, it's yeah. like a purely punk rock experience it's yeah. like, the, like uh i think it's ingrid and angry itch which is it's one of my favorite movies and it's one of the I biggest love that movie. it's one of the biggest fuck yous it, that that movie is so passionate and powerful and like like the character it's like the the middle finger rides from the beginning of that movie to the end and it's like <laughs> this is what we're saying to you and watch my yeah. movie and it's ah i just i love that sensation <laughs> yeah so we just you know i wrote it in class and spent some time doing it and everybody like you know class helped lend, lend a hand and it was just like a fun kind of one-off to to do you know it didn't cost anywhere near what lunch ladies cost and we you know did it in one day and you know but i'm really proud of it because it was did what it was supposed to it gave the you know fuck you finger to you, you didn't need to buy vats of rotten potatoes for, yeah. for no <laughs> no i will tell you it smelled so bad on the fourth day oh in the hallways we had to go buy like so much febreze like oh my god 
Could have gotten a sponsorship out of that. Yeah. <laughs> I did. We bought, I think I went through like two bottles of Febreze trying to Febreze the hallways because they just stunk. They just stunk. That's amazing. So, so you do lunch, ladies. You make a very important film. And then after that, you release a book about your experiences that we've already been discussing, which is, quote, I made a short film. Now, WTF do I do with it? Which is a beautiful name for a book. Uh, for, for the purposes of further discussion, we can uh, call it the WTF, WTF book, book or That's the What, what the Fuck book. Yeah. Um, and, and this book essentially encapsulates just your whole experience in, in a way and how other people following in your footsteps can sort of glean some advice from you, which I would have loved uh, in film school. And <laughs> that's that and, and, and I, I wish the adjunct professor that used your book at DePaul uh, yeah. used that with me. Um, As but, I was reading, I was like, I wish someone, I took a podcasting class in school and I was like, I wish this was a textbook at DePaul. Cause like it is such as such a genuine and like genuine level of information. Like the, the delivery doesn't feel like the amount of books I read where it's like, <laughs> this is how you do a thing. And the experience provides you with a nuanced experience. Now it's look at, look at Scorsese and look how he succeeded. Yes. It, be it's, just it's like a, him. It's a far cry from a uh, David Mamet on filmmaking. <laughs> uh, it's well, but it, but it's true because there's a ton of books on filmmaking. We all know that, but there's not a lot of books on film that is in that in between from what is a movie no one needs that or david mamet which is the art of the uninflected shot and everything and it's like and it's like that stuff does yeah. have artistic merit yeah. but if you're explaining that to a freshman in college it's it goes right over yeah. their heads because like yeah. they don't even understand the the point of anything yet so don't yeah. start there there um yeah. i i i don't i don't want to i want to go through your whole book i want people to go out there and buy it and read it but it's on audible the audiobook is excellent i i oh, I, I genuinely i only consume audio text i have dyslexia and listening to that book like it was like i like i got to school this morning and i listened to it on my way there and i was like man i know what we can do with the podcast next like this is like I was like pumped up, like listening oh to it. Oh my god, that makes me still feel so good because I oh, was such a bitch recording it. I was like, <laughs> it was so hard. It was great. I I, I, I listened to a ton of audio, but you genuinely gave a great read. What was it? Thank what you. was it like reading your own your own text? Because I I've always uh, like thought if I wrote, ever wrote something, I'd have. Well, to Well, I used to do book. voiceover for years, so I know okay. how to do voiceover. But um, it's pretty funny because like one uh, at the beginning of the year even though I had Omicron. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I started recording my book while I was on, had Omicron. <laughs> so like three of my chapters are COVID induced, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but we they, but, we, we um, wrote and watched a lot of movies for this podcast and between Ben's two positive cases and my oh one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I got oh two gosh. within like a hundred days of each other. Oh I got Delta God. and then as soon as that was over, I it got was actually Omicron. Right, oh right after God. we watched and found hilarious and you're in your short like the, like a week later ben had it yeah oh that, that's gosh. when we recorded that episode i think was when yeah. i first got it I was, oh my God. I was like i'll power through for the lunch ladies oh my gosh 
Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was fine. Like I, I didn't have it too bad, but I just, it was just, it just was funny. Cause I was like, Oh, I have all this time. I'm home. I might as well do it. And I just kind of tried to knock it out and mm-hmm. I recorded it in my closet. I have like a nice setup, but you know, like it's, it's not ideal because it's like, you got the weed blowers. So you got to stop for yeah. 10 minutes and then you got to like, and so then every time I would record a chat and then I, I recorded the first and I'm a fast talker and I recorded mm-hmm. the first four chapters and I sent it to my ex-husband and he's like, you're talking too fast. And that was the hardest thing knowing yeah. not to go, not too fast or not too slow. So I had to re-record everything. And I'm real thankful to Alex Ferrari of Indie Film Hustle because I was on his podcast and he's like, if you have, do you have an audible version of it? Because I'll run it on the show. And I go, well, you know, my book is published and they own the rights and they've never made it. Mm-hmm. And my publisher was so gracious. He gave me the rights back to the audible version. Oh, wow. Otherwise I don't think I would have done it. So he gave That's me awesome. the rights back to the audible version. I knocked it out in January and Alex just got it up two weeks ago. Wow. But That's if Alex wild. hadn't like pushed me to do it. Yeah. But it's, it's hard recording a book. I mean, it's just, it's just relentless, you know, cause you've got to, if you, every time you make, you got to go through all the copy and figure out what are your best takes and you're never yeah. going to do like a perfect read every no. single word, you know? Yeah. Even and if even, you have COVID. Yeah. <laughs> well, even some of the big production podcasts I listen to, you know, like by like sound booth studios, it's like, even then you can tell there's like, ah, he, he coughed on this take a little bit. Like yeah. you can hear like the stutter and you're like, this is your job. Like, and it's, but it comes across so much more genuine. You I should try editing recordings with Matt. Matt's being polite right now. Cause it's an interview, but it's just the two of us. I'm having to edit around like chip noises and drinking water. <laughs> it's like, well, you tell me, keyboard. you tell me not to eat during the podcast. And then you're talking for six minutes and I got dinner. <laughs> Yeah, he needs, to, he needs to cleanse his throat. Give the guy some break, man. Disagree. <laughs> Thank I you. Disagree. Yeah, she's, she's on my side. The super cut he has of me eating over audio is one of the greatest like achievements. I have it saved on my desktop. I just, I, I, I shine with pride. <laughs> I, I, I should have back to it. Uh, so so let's bring it back to your what the fuck book uh i i don't want to give the whole book away but one question i do want to ask throughout this whole experience what is one thing that you would not have expected going into this and that could be in any stage of the process but what's something completely unexpected that you didn't even think of until it was right there in front of you you mean while i was on the circuit while you were on the circuit, it could even be while you were. Well, I mean, the most unexpected the thing for me was to put, pour my heart and soul into this film, to fund it, produce it, write it, bleed it, and then to have someone not put my name on it. Mm. That fucking blew my mind. And I, for the for the first couple festivals, I was too afraid to say anything. And then I would have to argue with people to say, explain to them, it's my film. I mean, not that I think it's, I mean, it's, you know, I don't like when people say it's, but eventually the buck stops here. I'm the one that's still three, you know, what, five years later, still pushing it. Well, it's your vision, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're, you're the one who dreamed the dream. Yeah. You you were the auteur of this and, and going back to what you like to watch growing up, who you gravitate to, like that's the vision that you see in Lunch Ladies. Right. So it's not unexpected. It, it, it's mm-hmm. it's something that should be expected that, well, you know. Well, they don't want to put your name, you know, and I and it's funny because I was, I, I love the Festival Claremont Ferran. It's such a wonderful festival. Mm-hmm. And they had me, they had me there to talk about my book, which was really amazing. Mm-hmm. And they had me talk to programmers and I got, which was terrifying. I had a hour talk to programmers. 
and the whole room was filled. Um, and one of the things I said to programmers is you need to start asking who the filmmaker is, not mm -hmm. assuming that the film is by the director. Yeah. It's insulting. And, and, you know, and I love to include Josh and Josh deserves mm -hmm. every bit of props for what, how he directed this mm -hmm. and the production work he put into it. And I never said, don't put Josh yeah. on there. I, but I said, you need to put my name on there. And I would yeah. get pushback sometimes. And I was like, why? One festival yeah. that I will not name refused to put my name on the, that was wow. the biggest astonishment because it never even, it never even crossed my mind. And I said, yeah. you guys really need to think about the, the filmmaker. And to me, of course, yeah. you know, it's a constant fight between writers and directors, you know, the, anyway, that, yeah. you know, writers, are, I think writers are the vision behind a film and directors think directors 100%. are the vision behind the film, yeah. you know, and there's always that war. But and frequently, it, the writer never gets shouted out. And, right. I mean, we had so a writer strike for a reason. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're writers need you're the heart and soul. Like, I, I'm and a writer. It's the hardest guy. job. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so why, that's why people don't want to write because it takes yeah. a long time to write a good script. Yep. You know, but Class I think that's probably process. the biggest, that was the biggest mm -hmm. shock to me that I would have to ask. And it gave me great anxiety. And I kept saying, if I was a dude, I probably wouldn't have this anxiety. Right. Because a dude can just, I don't know, it's a weird thing, like culturally, like you don't want to be thought of as this, you know, and I didn't want them to feel like I was saying Josh hadn't done a good job yeah. or didn't deserve to be on right. the film, you know. So is that was probably that was probably the big for as a negative thing. As a positive thing, the biggest surprise was how incredibly supportive people were. Hmm. Because I was also terrified to promote my film. Yeah. Because I was like, people are not gonna want to support me, they're gonna think I have an ego, they're not gonna want to help. That was not my case at all. And many filmmakers I have talked to, it's not their case at all either. People mm -hmm. in general, you get your bad apples, yeah. but in general, people want to support you and your project. Yeah. And See, the things they did for me that people did for me were unbelievable. That's awesome. So, And, and speaking about yeah. su supporting film and, and stories and things like, like your movie, I, I was so curious about what was the path about getting it as part of a thing like hilarious about and like an anthology for horror because i think back to like the abcs of death or a hundred candles these mm -hmm. short film collections or like produced packages mm -hmm. um but like hilarious had such like a, a niche of films that felt so connected uh i was curious what well that's what was jason Tostevin. yeah yeah so um i was really lucky uh, when uh, when I got in, uh, when the film was in Clermont Ferrand, I met um, a sales rep and they started, so they're the ones who got the film everywhere. Okay. But then Jason came to me. So the, well, the first horror festival that Lunch Ladies was in, the first two were South African Horror Fest and Nightmares. I think they were at the same time. Cool. Yeah. And it was real early in yeah. and Jason gave us, it was either, I think we got the awards on the same day because South African Horror Fest gave us best horror comedy and Jason's mm -hmm. festival gave us. And Jason has just been like this major supporter of the film. Mm -hmm. And when he reached out, he said, I'm, you know, he reached out to me and to like a couple other comedy horrors yeah. um, about a couple years after the film was on. And he said that he wanted to put it on this anthology. And I'd been approached by a few others. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, mm, you know, I would send it to the sales rep and they were like, no you know, or whatever, because they're because there's all kinds of reasons why they say, you no, know, not necessarily because they don't want you to be on it, but maybe it's, they've got an agreement with someone else or whatever. And when Hilarious came by, I just was like, I want to be on this. 
I want to be on this because I know Jason's going to put great movies on there and yeah. I love Nightmares Film Fest and I, and, and I'm, you know, I feel really flattered that he would ask for it to be on there. And he also is going to put very important film on there. So, um, yeah. which you don't see, I don't think you see on when it's on the streaming, but it's on the DVD. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, because I remember we, we were reading like the the box, like we saw like a picture of the box and we watched it on Amazon Prime and we were like, wait, there's one missing. Yeah, like, was, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's kind of like the, the special thing that they keep for the for the collectors that buy the yeah. DVD. But and then and then the sales rep were like, OK, we'll work with them. And so that's how it ended up. And I just, you know, it was just that Jason chose it. So he liked the film and he just has always been really supportive and. And I was like, I'm being on this. I, I told my sales rep, I'm like, I'm being on this. So <laughs> you yeah. got to find a way. For, I don't care. I want to be, I want this to be on. Well, at least we know he has taste. So yeah. that's yes. good. Yes, he does. He does. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. And made so, two great films in the, in the yeah. anthology as well. Till Death and Born Again were yeah. wonderful. Yeah. 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 Since then, you have kept the Lunch Ladies website and the Lunch Ladies accounts active. Yes. Uh, I, I know that you've talked previously how lunch ladies was originally a theatrical length script that then you deliberately shortened into a short film um mm. i assume that it's still in the cards to hopefully someday have lunch ladies on the sing on the uh, silver screen yeah i mean that was that was why i made the short as a proof of right. concept but it hasn't happened yet <laughs> hopefully it will i have other things coming out but it's still awesome. I, I feel like someday it will and there's just you know it was really, really hard to figure out how to turn that. I mean, it's funny as people will say, there's no way when they see the short, there's no way that could be a feature. They have no idea how difficult it was to make it a short. I was going to say, those people clearly have not watched enough horror films. Yeah. <laughs> well, ju I'm just so intrigued by the environment and, and the vibe of everything. Like, I want to live in that world more which is which is once again very Tim Burton esque, where he creates these worlds, and you're like, I want to like go inside the houses and that's see what's inside Thank them, you. you know. And and that's one of my favorite things about the short. So I I'd love to see it fully fleshed out into a a feature length movie. But I do know that you have a lot of other projects going on at the same time. Uh, if I read correctly, you've had two scripts, uh, optioned, which are Land of Milk and Honey and Stella by Starlight. Mm -hmm. Uh, how have, how have those projects been going? Land of Milk and Honey, I'm hoping is going to happen in any day now. We'll see. Uh, okay. but that's a story. That's a historical drama, uh, about Elizabeth Bathory. Oh, which awesome. I don't know who Elizabeth Bathory oh, is. yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's from the viewpoint of the maid, the one who... The actual one, the yeah. only one who got off. Oh, so it's wow. from her viewpoint. So it's two female leads. That's incredible. Um, yeah, and then Stella by Starlight is just um, is a sweet coming of age, you know, road trip script about a girl who wants to, who's never had sex but writes Harlequin romance novels, and has to take a road trip with a sexy taxi cab driver and her mentor cross country to Las Vegas to sell her book. That's so we'll amazing. See. That's like a I, better people version. People be like, you wrote that? <laughs> I would I would love to see that. That sounds amazing. That's why that's the that's the only script I have that doesn't piss anybody off. <laughs> which you know, which you know you mean means like that first review you said you're gonna read is gonna be some guy who's just like how dare they make a movie with this kind of perspective like yeah, right. this, this woman would not do this 
<laughs> like, oh, I know. I, I, I saw an amazing film called a, a Portrait of a Woman on Fire. And I walked hey, out I of it. It was another historical drama about two women who fell in love. Um, oh, while I they heard were... about that. Was it good? I didn't see it. It was wonderful and does a wow. tremendous love story between like a a love story that, that perfectly captures that like 16th century notion of we may love each other, but society has dictated this can't happen. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I'll have to see it. I've heard I, about it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, but it's like one of the first, and I, I watched and I loved it, got out of the theater, had a great conversation about it. And I, the first review I saw of it was like, this doesn't seem realistic for a woman. And I was like, oh. I was like, what the, f-? like, I was, I watched it with my wife and she was like, this was great. And I was like, this is all I, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll check some reviews. I'll see what the what the crowds are saying. I it's love like, that. It was probably a man that said that. It was. Oh, it was yeah. <laughs> it, I think the guy's name was like Kevin. It was like very aggressive. Kevin McAlpha male. Yeah, okay, okay, Kevin Chad McAlpha male. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I love but those it. but those stories are the ones that like need to be I, oh. I think are beautifully told. Like uh, there's a, another great film called Eighth Grade that's told from the perspective of an eighth grade, a girl going into. Oh eighth yeah, grade. I saw that. Yeah, that's a great little movie. It's those are the those are the ones we we dream for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. like you, like with hilarious, like getting roles for middle aged women in modern day is like one of those things that I think is tremendously important in film, and it's mm-hmm. uh, like in in Ari Aster's Hereditary, uh, Tony Collette, I genuinely think should have gotten an oscar for that film for which and movie for hereditary oh yeah, yeah yeah no she was great in that i wasn't crazy about hereditary but oh <laughs> you want to go debate on that yeah I'm, well, I'm I, just, feel- <laughs> I, I love i love perspectives <laughs> i felt like it fell apart in the end oh okay Ooh, we we so we watched this with a group of people and we were about split 50 50 they were like this like what is that ending and matt and i were like bro <laughs> you both loved it yeah well i i one of my favorite movies of all time is is wicker man well that and, also made me mad because i was like i, I had not seen wicker man and i okay. no that the other movie what what did he Mid, made up midsummer midsummer i loved midsummer yeah it's one of the but best then i saw movies. wicker man yep <laughs> and then i was pissed at midsummer because he did not admit that he stole from wicker man it's a like del- just admit it, it. yeah so it, well, it's like it's like with Legend, like uh, like acknowledge your reference here yeah he's like no i mean obviously it's a but i'm like it, i just would have had so much more respect and i do respect him but i just was like admit that you yeah. i just like was like wicker man whoa <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean wicker man yeah yeah it's well it's, it's one of those movies where it's it's perfect because it's horror it's a horror that's that's directed at a person like like at a specific type oh, of it's person, terrifying. and yeah. and and like a person like if you grow up in like a, a secular very like chill like free like free group you watch it and you're like oh this guy's the the main character is the evil one like what he represents is wrong but if you mm-hmm. come from that upbringing that background it changes it and that that's I think one of the coolest things about horror in general and comedy is that with context changes the depth of what you're experiencing. Like yeah. the like like in the lunch ladies like the more you're obsessed with Johnny Depp, the more there <laughs> is in that movie. <laughs> yeah, and the more you and I also feel like it's interesting. Like the more you've experienced being bullied in a school. Um, my dad was a school teacher. My dad's also an author. He writes books on camping and canoeing, and he was an eighth grade school teacher. And I would hear 
the shit that went down. And when I was writing Lunch Ladies, I wanted it to be something to show how fucked up it is in schools. Yeah. Like that they have, they don't get, they can't, yeah. they don't have salt. Like in, in the feature, you know, like they yeah. will give them salt, but then the kids complain about stuff. And I would be like, dad, you know, like what's something that really annoyed you? It's like, oh, you're not living up to your potential. You're not be, you're not mm. giving the school the potential. So, you know, I put in Melvin high potential and I'm like, you know, like he gave me so many little yeah. things from school, right. you know, and one scene in the feature, one of the, the, the arch nemesis gets killed by um, rock hard cheese because my dad said that uh, they actually did have cheese in the lunchroom yeah. ladies things that are from like 19 government cheese. That's sort of the 19, I want to say 80s or something like that. Yeah, there, there's some things I've seen in the school I work at where it's like, I don't, that scares me. me. And I'm not exactly. the one, I'm not, I'm the adult in the situation. And like I think that's that's one of those things I loved about the movie was it, it captures that experience so well, and and I I I was reading about your father because <laughs> I saw that he he recently got his his book re republished for the fifth reprinted time. Yeah, yeah fifth time yeah and I was looking at the cover and I was reading it and I was looking on his uh, on like the on his like list of texts he'd written I was like I am almost ninety five percent sure my dad owns two of your father's books what. <laughs> Because he, cause really? my, I, my dad and I grew up camping, fishing, and going outdoors oh, in northern Wisconsin and the uh, around the Minnesota Upper Peninsula. Because I'm border. from Minnesota. Oh yeah, so I'm. I, I spent my entire. And my dad lives in Wisconsin now. What what part of Wisconsin? River not... Falls. Oh wow! So I spent I spent every summer and where Ben and I watched a uh, hilarious for the first time was up uh, in Manitowish Waters. Near oh like Door County, gosh. right on the southern border. Yeah, right on the northern border of Wisconsin. Yep. And I and I, I texted my dad, and I, I as I was coming over, I was like, "Dad, do you have a book called Camping's Top Secrets?" And he was like, "Wait, what? Why?" And like, I no context for why I was calling him, and he's like, "I I might," and I was like, "Can you just check?" And he was like, so I guess. Weird. And he keeps a collection of all of his camping and survival yeah, books. Yeah, I wouldn't with. be surprised if one went, yeah. It was there. But my dad's a teacher too. So like, yeah. you know, that that's all in there. And also like the bullshit you have to put up with yeah. with kids. And, oh, and you know, parents, you know, sometimes the parents are oh worse my. than kids. I, most I've, of the time. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a parent without, without getting too much detail question if i was teaching their child appropriate material because i'm a male with long hair and i I showed up to the meeting in a pink shirt and she's like you're making my son question himself and i'm like what your kid your son and i were reading a book about trucks like questionable book about trucks that though. pink shirt i i think that that's amazing that shows you're confident in your masculinity so oh yeah i know. mean what my, my <laughs> i i go to school with my nails painted and i wear you know I, I i tell kids all the time like if a kid if a third or like a second grader is like hey mr matt why do you have long hair you're you're a boy and i'm like look like <laughs> boys can have long hair. i usually one thing i always go to is like, have you ever heard of a rock star and they're like yeah and i'm like every one of the male rock stars long hair and they're like and they're like, that or they can't grow it yeah they all want it. <laughs> oh my gosh or, yeah or, i mean or, 
or I have the girls that shave their heads and they're like, can I, and like, I've had, I have a little girl be like, I think I want to cut my hair short, Mr. Matt. And I'm like, do it, shave your head. And she's like, she's like, but like none of the other girls have short hair. I'm like, look, all of the, like some of the coolest women in history, some of the most badass. Sinead O'Connor, man. Yeah. (laughs) Sinead, you know, like, if I could sing like anybody, it'd be Sinead. (laughs) Yeah. I'll put any hairstyle on for that talent. Yeah. I love that. I love, but I always, I do like, you know, and that's another reason that someday I really want to get the feature made is because I just think that schools and the educational system and how teachers are treated and the bullshit they have to put up with, there needs to be, a, they just need a little bit more props, a lot yeah. more props, you know, they really I, do. Thank, thank really, you for that. You're really it's, speaking to Matt's heart here. You're really, <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, I've been hearing the, it my entire life you know and it, I've seen it. Man, this is like, Matt has this on a well, Matt is recording this, but he has a recording on his phone too, just in case we can like play this back later. There, there's, there's some stuff Ben and I have recorded because like I've like gotten. He's like, "How was your day, Matt?" And I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna read you a four paragraph email I got." And oh man! Like I don't, I, I don't think anyone I work with will ever listen to this podcast. I hope not because I, I've had people who in a professional setting I would not imagine would call me the things I've been called. Oh my gosh. And it's like, you tell us we're the most important people in the room. And then you're telling us we don't care about kids. Yeah. And you do. I know. And it's, I, I, I stand, I stand in like utter and like a flabbergasted. No, it's crazy. I know exactly. I've been hearing it for years. I mean, my dad took early retirement and he was a very popular teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a it's a hard job, man. It's a hard yeah. job. And Wisconsin, no less. Wisconsin and oh, I, Wisconsin I, used to be good, but yeah, yeah. my dad was happy because he taught in Minnesota, but his wife taught in Wisconsin. Ooh. So and she would be like, "Huh," because Wisconsin has a, a lot harder than Minnesota teachers. Yeah, yeah. I was sure. I work at the Renaissance Fair, and it's almost all of my my co performers are teachers in Wisconsin or Illinois, and oh. the 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 horror stories that happen. That I've like heard, I'm like, I thought my week was bad. (laughs) (laughs) I, for one, uh, dealt with man, children and talent management. And then I got out. Whereas, whereas Matt has like responsibility and stuff. And he, he, he isn't able to take the easy way out, unfortunately for him. And one day I'll get a job at Google developing like I like differentiated math curriculums for iPads. You know, that's that's the long term path. The long term path is to have actual lunch ladies in the schools that act like Sorita and Luann and knock off the bad kids and the bad teachers and the bad parents. Yeah, there we that's, go. That's Isn't why that I, I, I oh, not at all. Yeah, I. I I th- if I if I I showed lunch ladies to a co- a coworker of mine who works lunch duty, and the and the first thing she said was, "Man, I wish I could do that." <laughs> she was dead serious. Like I've seen that I've seen the look in that woman's eye where when fourth graders are eating lunch, and it's like, I I don't know I don't know I think I have a lot of patience doing special ed. If if you work in a oh. lunchroom. You've got to have so much patience. I mean, that's that people tell me like you're superior. I'm like, I'm just really patient. That's yeah. like 80% of my job is just like right. relaxing when situations are terrifying. 
Yeah. Which sounds like I mean I was thinking when you no, were that's hard. Like, we were talking about Josh on your on on lunch. Ladies. Yeah, and how calm he was. Yeah, like that to me. Like, that I'm like a that's director. a teaching yeah. moment. That's like how you yeah. need to be a teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <sighs> yeah. See, well, lunch ladies is so therapeutic. It's, <laughs> it's we're we're seeing it live and in person right here. And that's why we need to make this a feature film. So yeah. someone, oh. for the love of God, throw money at this because I, I want to see it. <laughs> I, I want to see it artistically, and Matt wants to see it to cathartically. To, 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 yeah. Yeah, cathartic of all the the bad. Yeah. I want to do a screening for the the Chicago Teachers Union. Oh, I love it. <laughs> It'll happen. Not on my time line. I was hoping yeah. it would happen right after lunch, ladies, but it hasn't happened yet. So maybe something else will get made and. But I'm never giving up on lunch ladies. I'm gonna get that feature made someday, sooner or later. So and we, absolutely. And we won't, so, we won't give up on it either. Oh, no, so no, definitely. It's it getting lunch ladies feature is being added to our list now. So yeah. we have we 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 have uh we interviewed a director of a really good horror film, uh The Plague. His name's Hal Masonberg. Uh in his oh, cut of the movie is like the director's cut he can't get mm -hmm. released because of uh uh rights issues with sony screen gems oh. so our so our yeah. first duty is to hal is to help him somehow get sony screen gems to That's let him so get his cut of the movie out number two is making sure lunch ladies happens so oh, we're gonna I love it we're, we're, we're gonna keep you'll be my be in my corner yeah. we're, we're, we're gonna keep these alive and uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And we, oh, we, we, we always like to say around here, if you don't succeed your first time, you try again. You don't succeed your second time. And again. And again. And sometimes the third time's the charm for some people, but it's not Fourth's always. Fourth's the charm. But yeah, fourth time. Yes, yeah. This fourth time's the charm. That's right. <laughs> I love it. I love All right. It. Clarissa, this has been a delight. What are yeah, you working really on? Yeah, it's been right now and where can we reach out to you where can we talk to you talk about lunch ladies talk about all your stuff <laughs> um i'm working on nothing scares me which is this horror film that shane and i wrote together that we're going to produce and direct um so that's exciting and you can I, the best pro way, place probably to reach me is just uh you can probably just go to my personal website, which has links to my lunch ladies website and um, rubble minks. And it's just, Hey, I'm Clarissa J. Great. Well, so, fair enough. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this has been... always drop me a line. So yeah, yeah. this has been really fun. You guys, this has been, been super fun. Thank yeah. You. Thank <laughs> so you so you. much for, for coming on. <laughs> we appreciate your time. We're a small outfit here, but we love, stuff yes. like lunch ladies yeah and i'm really and, uh, impressed at all the stuff that research and stuff you did wow of course I mean, yeah you deserve nothing impressed. less uh, if, yeah. if you had to deal with 16 year olds over two weekends and <laughs> and 80 gallons of nauseating beef mixtures then the least we could do is actually do some reading on on who you are and real life vindictive lunch ladies it's like the movie almost <laughs> <laughs> hilarious thanks guys so much for a thank wonderful you. talk and i you know can't wait to promote it so thank absolutely yeah, thanks same. for everything All right. well as we close the book on one fourth times the charm five stars under 50 success story we are going to move on to next week's episode five stars 
under 50. Until then, good night and good morning.